the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Well, here we are. This is the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 255. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Well, Bill, thank you for being back on the show again, as you often are. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's always good to be in here as well. Well, uh, we've had a fun time catching up on all sorts of topics, and uh, we thought we'd better we'd better stop chatting and actually hit the record button uh, because I'm, I imagine a few people are interested in and uh, uh, hearing some of the discussions. Now, first up, I wanted to chat around one of Apple's recent hires. Now, we, we've heard through you know varying media cha- media channels that Apple are working very very hard on launching their own car. Or developing their own car that they're going to have us, you know, a self-drive vehicle. We've heard, I think it was uh, Elon Musk, uh, sort of, he, he made a comment, uh, if I've got this right, Bill, and you, you probably heard it too, uh, that, um, their, well, actually, I can't remember his exact wording, but it was sort of like, you know, their cast off staff were, would, would end up at Apple. Um, <laughs> a, a, along, the, along those lines, I guess they're losing a few people, um, at Tesla, you know, being very much the leading car and, uh, the car company in this, in the Silicon Valley, uh, well, the only one that, that's got their prime HQ there, um, of, of note. Um, and yeah, there's been a whole lot of noise. And then what we've just heard in the last few days is that Apple has hired, uh, Jonathan Cohen, um, the NVIDIA artificial intelligence director, uh, who was, uh, involved in NVIDIA's, uh, Drive PX team, which is their technology that can be, uh, uh, you know, purchased by, by car companies and the like, um, for creating driverless, uh, driverless vehicles. I think it's two or things. autonomous vehicles. I was going to say, I think there's two things in this. The first one is is that Apple, today it would be the world's most valuable company in terms of um, market cap. There's, you know, it, it has some growth potential in the stuff that it does, but it needs to, it needs to find new markets if it's going to carry on growing. And um, well, I don't know. They make enough money off the iPhone. If they can keep selling selling the iPhone for another hundred years, they don't need to have any other uh, um, bows. No, that well, well, the thing is, that's not how capitalism works. They these companies have to carry on getting bigger to keep the shareholders satisfied. And yeah, it may not necessarily make sense, but you know, we can talk about <laughs> economics, <laughs> or we can talk about Apple. No, no, the, um, the thing is, is that you know that even even if that was true i don't think the egos of the people concerned would be just happy to sit on their laurels and um raking the money i mean i don't know me and you perhaps we would (laughs) um, these people they're a different breed and i think they i think they want to do to the car business what they've done in other areas like the phone business um whether they've got a reasonably good you know track record with you know, launching products in, in recent years yeah. and, and doing very well. I mean, the last 20 years for Apple, uh, you know, they've gone from, you know, virtual bankruptcy to, as you say, uh, you know, the most um, successful company in the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, any, any business, yeah, generally needs to, uh, needs to have more than a small number of, uh, of, of products to ensure their long-term success. So there's a, there's a whole lot of reasons, aren't there? Yeah. Plus the fact that it's kind, it's kind of fun conquering a new market, doing something different to other people. And, um, and, and the other thing is, is when you get that big, you start to be a bit more speculative in your research projects. Um, so you try things out in different areas and you may abandon that. They may not go anywhere with it. I mean, uh, 
Apple itself came out of that kind of thing going on at zero a generation ago, more than a generation ago. At Xerox, yeah, yeah, Xerox rather, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to, I was just trying to put that together there. Um, yeah, so no, I think that you know this is interesting. We're just seeing more and more of these signs. It does seem pretty clear that that Apple are going down that track. It is curious though because we think of the uh, automobile or car industry as something that is likely to actually shrink a lot over the years ahead. Because, you know, as we move to autonomous cars, we move to car sharing, all of these sorts of, uh, you know, advances are likely to lead to there being less vehicles, I would think anyway, with, with, certainly within markets like ours, different in, um, you know, other markets that are, that are still growing. And there, there is, you know, a lot of that at the moment. I've but often it's, thought it's hard that we to might know. move to a, pl- to a time where we don't actually own our own vehicles in the way we do now as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but the, um, the, the interesting thing is that Apple's doing this and not Mercedes or Ford or Toyota. That's the thing that, you know, I mean, are these people just waiting for Armageddon to hit their business? Well, they're all, no, they're all putting a lot of effort in, in this particular area. And of course, you know, last week, well, about, uh, yeah, just over a week ago now was when, you know, Tesla finally rolled out their semi-autonomous uh, capability as a free software update, just like what Apple does with their phones, right? Just push it out across the vehicles. Uh, there aren't a lot of players that are operating like this. And I would love to see what a, a tech company, uh, with the expertise of, of Apple could bring to the table. Yeah, of course, uh, Microsoft and Google, they're doing, you know, their own interesting things. You know, Google, you know, especially are the company that we, uh, that we know for autonomous vehicles, but, their ambitions are, you know, seem to be very different to well, to Apple's. Right? I'd imagine that Google's car will be free, but you'll get ads the whole way. Well, you the, and you know when when you want to go to the office, it'll be like, well, I'll drop you next door at you know at this store who sponsored the uh, yeah. who sponsored the journey, yeah. right? Now we're taking you to McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah McDonald's is sponsoring this journey, uh, so uh, you you know your your order will be uh, will be fed through. Maybe it'll uh, read your brain, work out what it is that you uh, you feel feel like eating, and it'll it'll take you to the appropriate place. Um, it'll earn enough commission on that to then uh, ferry you on your way to your next stop. Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyway, getting a, getting uh, getting a little bit off track, but, but I, did, I, I saw I saw a very interesting comment today though, and it was um, you know looking back when we look back, say in fifty years' time, um, if we're still around, um, which is another topic entirely. <laughs> but if but in, in in you know in a generation or so from now, we'll look back at this time and we'll. Maybe people will wonder why people ever drove their own cars. Yeah, well, I was watching. Um, I was briefly watching a program that uh, my son Pablo was uh, was enthralled in. Yes, uh, yeah, in the last day or so, and um, it it posed. Uh, or there, there was there was a comment, um, and. Uh, what was this program called? Uh, Peppa Pig. Um, so you may have come across it. Anyway, and uh, there was a, there was a comment that uh, um, you know that TVs didn't used to be around, and uh, you know, of course, Peppa pipes up and and and, and says, "Well, you know, th- there must have at least been computers." <laughs> oh no, there weren't those. And 
you know the 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 differences that we, the movements that we get sort of from one generation to the next is is so astounding at the moment, isn't yeah. it? It's um, uh, you know must be uh, you know I don't know what it must be like as as you know someone you know coming in now with all the technology we've got compared to you know the fascination we had uh, you know in those early days of, of computing technology going back twenty thirty years. Uh, to, yeah, I remember soldering transistors into place to build computers <laughs> but it's you know there's still there's still so much advancement and so much that isn't here yet so you know i think i think there'll be lots of fun exciting things for uh, for quite a while ahead uh now new uh new gadgets we do like to talk about new gadgets on the show so um last week uh samsung dropped by with the um gear s2 which is their new uh smartwatch and of course samsung have sort of really been one of the big movers and shakers in the smart watch space, they've, they've launched a whole raft of products now um, and really the first big brand uh, to really come out with a, uh, with a product and they've you know, continued to iterate. And so this Gear S2 is kind of interesting because last year we had the, the, Gear, uh, the Gear S and it was um, the first, the first smart watch certainly that I tried that had, an, had a SIM card in it. So you could receive calls directly on the smartwatch, um, yeah, you could imp- operate the whole thing without having to pair it to a smartphone, which is you know what we what we've become quite used mm-hmm. used to. And so I was kind of curious. Oh, the Gear S two. Well, you know, I guess the S is is that you know maybe for uh, for SIM embedded SIM card and so on. And yep, sure enough, the the Gear S two. If you buy it overseas, there is a, a version that comes with the eSIM or the embedded SIM card. So you don't even need a physical SIM card. Um, but it does require the networks to be compatible with that. And in New Zealand, ours aren't. So the Gear S2, as they've launched it here, you do have to pair with your uh, smartphone. Uh, but in some of the other markets, it's possible to get one with an embedded SIM card. So no doubt we'll see a bit of that uh, in the future. But that saves a little bit of space. that You don't have to have the physical SIM card. And it is you know, a move that we've been expecting for uh, for a little while, it's, I, I had a look at it earlier. It's it's nice shape. It's round. Other, um, it's not that sort of square um, clock face, uh, watch face rather. And it's got this bezel thing around the um, the watch face, which is interesting. It's 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 a bit like the jog wheel that you have on the Apple Watch in that it uh, you turn it and it does stuff. Yeah, and traditional watches have had had yeah. these on them as well yeah. for for a long time. Um, and of course, it's. Both that and the Apple Watch have got these beautiful displays, um, which look just like traditional watches. Um, yeah, and I mean this one. Does, I have you know a friend of mine who's who's into you know the more uh, stylish um, and more you know traditional sort of uh, stylish clothing and uh, fashion accessories and so on. And yeah, when he saw it, he uh, yeah he was really impressed. He said, "Oh yes, that's the sort of thing that uh, that, yeah. that he would like to wear." Um, but it does suffer from uh, uh, one of the same challenges as as probably the large majority of these devices actually is that the screen is off most of the time. Um, yeah. To to in order to uh, to stretch out the the battery life, uh, but when it's on, it, do, life, it does yeah. it does look very good. Um, the battery actually lasts pretty well. I found. Uh, Certainly, if you if you're just using it as a as a watch and you unpair it from your device, you don't have your device with you. 
um, you, you obviously get much more because there's not that constant sort of Bluetooth communication. So yeah. it does depend what, you know, what you're doing. But, uh, in that sort of a situation, um, I didn't have the, the phone with me all the time. I was able to get over two, two days. Um, and yeah, it seems to be, you know, one to two days is, um, the same as the Apple Watch then. Is, is typical. Yeah. 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 Not, not too far off. Maybe a little bit longer than okay. the Apple Watch. I am, um, I, I think these watches are still at the stage where we don't need them, but we, they're nice to have. Yeah. I think that, that would be fair to say. Um, the, the challenge, I guess, with, these things is well. When do you jump onto the bandwagon? Because you know, mostly they're not killer features, but the um, the sports capabilities are very good in well, terms of sort of you know the fitness measurements and uh, having a, a heart rate tracker on there and so on. So there's there's a little bit that ties in, gives you a, a level of gamification to yeah. your exercise, which isn't a, isn't a bad thing. No, that's the, that's what that's the. Um the, not so much the killer app as the unkiller app. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but I like it. But uh, um, um, the one thing I did notice re- uh, recently was that traditional watch sales have started to take a uh, tick down quite dramatically since these have come along. So you know maybe we are at a tipping point. Yeah, I you know I think we, we're also starting to see more uh, traditional watchmakers uh, you know make smart watches. I think. Uh, was it Fossil the other day that got uh, that that announced they're doing a Android Wear uh, watch? I, th- I think. Um, well, that's the thing interesting about that um, that Samsung watch you're looking at is it's not Android. No, no. So it's a good point. This runs the, the Tizen uh, operating system, uh, you know, which is a, a Linux uh, variant or based based on Linux. But uh, you know, this is this is Samsung's. Um, operating system, which you know, for a while there, it was you know, we wondered whether Tizen would you know start coming through on all of the Android uh, on all of the Samsung phones uh, and re- replacing Android, but that's reasonably hard to do because they've really got to build up the app catalog. But they're certainly working on on building up uh, apps for the for the watch. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that uh, that progresses. Uh, now this model has got uh, four gigs of internal memory for the 3G variant. I'm just wondering if it's the same for the variant that was launched in uh, New Zealand. Just having a um, having a look there. I can't oh, can't see those numbers, but basically it is geared up so you can listen, you can load some music onto it and operate it, uh, you know, independently of your uh, watch. And they're also IP68 rated, so you know, pretty uh, resistant to to dust and and water and so on. Um, although they do warn you about going swimming because of the sort of pressure when you've got motion that they're not really designed for. But I've had a pretty good run with uh, most of the IP sort of 67, 68 rated uh, devices that I've tried in water. They also warn you about uh, uh, salt water. Uh, but again, I've had reasonable, yeah, um, re- reasonable pro- problems in those sort of or reasonable lack of problems in those situations. So there's a level of risk, I suppose, that you, you'd you'd be taking. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a step up from uh, uh, from nothing. Yeah, it looks like four four gigs of internal memory. So it's not not too bad. Not as much as uh, Apple Watch, which I think is eight gigs, if I remember correctly. So. But still, room for uh, for a good chunk of music. Yeah, album or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> at, at least, yeah. 
Now, in terms of a, uh, a something local here in New Zealand, uh, a lot of people probably heard about uh, Mount Albert uh, Grammar's dramas recently. Now, this is a school that's sort of in my neighbourhood, actually, not too, not too far away. Uh, I drive past uh, them most days, and they had some um, pornographic material distributed out to all students. So someone's got hold of their email list, and uh, and just push this out to all the students. There's a lot of this sort of thing happening in schools at the moment, um, and I guess part of it is because there are not the same levels of security systems in place on things like school email that you might find in companies. I'm guessing oh, it can be absolutely shocking. I came across somebody recently who was telling me that uh, a particular um, classroom that they were aware of that all of the students were given the same username and password to yeah. use that the teacher was using. And, um, I mean, there's all sorts of things that come out of that. You know, maybe a child looks at something that they shouldn't have. Maybe the teacher did. Well, who would you know who did and didn't look at it because it's all under the one account. Um, but, yeah, just all sorts of practices that are sort of just well away from, from best practice. And I guess there's going to be – there's always going to be kids at a school like that who are far more – conversant with the systems and the software and the products and the teachers. Oh, of course. And, yeah. you know, it was that, that way in, in my day with the, the we were earlier computers, kids. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we weren't always perfect students because we wanted to push these systems to the limit and we thought it was kind of fun if you could, yeah. uh, um, you know, ca- ca- cause a small inconvenience. But, uh, yeah, some, something like this, I think, there probably needs to be education around it now for yeah. for students understanding that actually you know whoever's done this is as you know and as criminally liable and you know the school have certainly had the police investigating it i haven't uh, seen any uh, news on the sort of you know outcome of that but you know the school was saying oh we're shutting down our student email until we can be sure that the system is secure i mean to me <laughs> It's a yeah. um, that that's an impossibility. You can't guarantee it's secure. And in fact, if this has happened once, whoever did that now has the email addresses of every single student. Uh, and if if emails turned on for people to be able to email them from outside of the school, um, or or even inside, then they, you know, then someone will be able to uh, do, would be able to repeat the whole same process again. So I don't think that they can absolutely guarantee this unless they put some pretty crazy uh, blocks in place and yeah. uh, you know don't, don't don't allow you to send uh, messages with images in them um, that, that would take us back a, a, a long a long way well it's yeah it's not it's not just a case of changing your passwords is it no no it's a bit more than that uh, now bill i want you to tell us about uh, hp and their their cloud now hp hewlett packard one of the biggest companies in the world they're just going through this uh, you know split and uh, you know, separating up the uh, the PC side of the business and printing and so on from the enterprise away, side. Yeah. The actual the actual split is about two weeks away, and it's become HP Enterprise, and I think Hewlett Packard will be the rest of the company. Um, HP Enterprise. Well, let's not mince our words. The the PC part of the company is largely commodity stuff, and it's not doesn't have very good margins. The enterprise business will probably be the profitable part. It's quite telling that the senior management is going with the enterprise business. So, you know, they know where <laughs> they know where the um the future pastures are, I I'd imagine. Um and one of the key 
products, which was going to be you know, part of the new HP, was their cloud service called Helion, public cloud, um, in some ways a competitor with the likes of AWS and Azure. And, um, so Amazon's web services and, and Microsoft's um, yeah. service, yeah, web, web cloud services. services. Yeah, cloud yeah. services, yeah. 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 And, um, um, but it would be a public cloud for enterprise customers. I don't think you'll be, I don't think the corner shop would be buying into this in the way that you could buy into AWS. Um, very much an enterprise focus. Well, it turns out that they've pulled the plug on that. Um, and that this doesn't mean that HP's pulled the plug on all its cloud it's pulled its pl- the plug on its um, public cloud offering but but this is the big this is the big thing isn't it yeah. this is this is what we've yeah. seen uh you know a huge amount of energy from hp i've you know been at events of of theirs you know outside of new zealand yeah. looking at some of some of this technology and uh, you know it seems like every technology company out there i mean we we had oracle in here uh, you know a couple of weeks ago we were hearing a little bit about uh, their move into uh, into cloud services. IBM's done it. In fact, um, IBM spent five billion moving into the cloud, um, and and yeah, that's right. The, the big old computer companies. I mean, they know the game's up, and the, the move is onto the cloud. But you see, what HP has done is not necessarily that dumb because they're keeping what they call um, private cloud. And in, in HP's world, private cloud is the cloud that you build in your own data center. So you will, you will be able to buy uh, a private, the kit to make your private cloud from HP um, Enterprise Division. And that's the, that's the name of the game. I mean, at heart, the company is still a hardware company, flogging hardware. I mean, there's a lot of services they wrap around the, um, everything and the services will be where the margins are. But at heart, there's still some engineering and some hardware in there. Um, I, I, I've given this some thought, and I reckon this is actually a much smarter move than it might look at first sight. Because if HP can still manage to keep the service part of the business, but then get their customers to use AWS or Azure as their um, as their public cloud, then in effect they're keeping the high margin part of the transaction and you know passing out the low margin part of that transaction it's not it's not such a daft strategy yeah make makes some sense but what's actually going on of course is the big cloud shakedown is now um and it was always going to be i mean amazon aws is so far ahead in terms of market share um their growth is slowing in um in ultimate numbers uh microsoft is catching up really fast and and really Microsoft and Amazon are just so far ahead of the pack um, between them that I, I would imagine they probably account for getting on for half the market. Um, certainly, they, they, they are dominant in terms of what's going on in, the, in terms of the international um, public cloud. You get regional players and local players. I mean, there are, people, there are certainly companies in New Zealand that have cloud offerings and so on. But that global public cloud market—it's a—it's a, it's a bloodbath, and I think HP's got out before it gets too painful. Um, some of the other players that are coming up—I don't think they're all going to survive. I think we're going to—I think this is going to crunch down to perhaps um, AWS and Microsoft will have the high ground. There will be a number of niche players. Maybe IBM will manage manage to keep a market share if they can wrap services around their offering. Um, and after that, in terms of the global public cloud, you're going to have rats and mice. 
What about Google? How you know? The, well, what do you what do you think their potential is? Well, Google's got the data center and it's got the technology and it's got the brand name and the brand recognition. But the thing about Google is is I mean, a lot of people think I'm really down on Google as a company, but that's not really true. The thing about Google is, is it's really about selling advertising, and that's such a lucrative business that everything else it does is kind of secondary. Um, and that may not mean. I mean, I, I realize. Well, they're, they're alphabet now, so it's yeah. it's a little it's a little bit different. The I priorities, I, I was, in theory, will will change. Yeah, and I was going to say that you could have said that at one point Amazon was about selling books as well. But I I I, I get all that. But I think that Google, it's going to have to. It's going to need to ramp up its operation massively if it's going to be a player, and it's possibly the only. Um, outsider you could get into that top segment um, I don't know I can't tell if they're going to get there or not but it's I, I can't see anyone else other than them breaking in there yeah yeah well yeah they, I mean it will be uh, there'll be those niche players but in terms of winning the uh, you know the lion's share of the market yeah, it looked as though it just wasn't going to happen for uh, for HP and you know as you say they can maybe make uh, um, actually, much better profits by uh, by being focused on the on the services around these things. Yeah, I mean, HP's got some pretty sophisticated ideas about how to sell um, services and so on to enterprises. So that could be the answer. And they and you know, as I say, they're just getting rid of the commodity part of the business. Mm. Um, now, another product uh, come across recently is called the Owlet. Uh, now. This is a device, US $250, and it's designed to give parents a, a bit more peace of mind about their, um, their babies uh, in terms of, is your baby breathing? And, you know, I, I know that uh, with, with um, Pablo, you know, he was, uh, as, a, as a youngster, you'd go in and you just check, is he okay? Is he, is he breathing? And so on. <laughs> And and that's you know something that a that a parent does because uh, you know we have so many uh, situations that you hear about in the media or or through having experienced it you know directly or indirectly where uh, you know babies have, have passed away in their sleep and uh, yeah this looks like a really interesting product because it gives you some uh, some peace of mind that that it you know monitors your baby's uh, breathing. And um, you know, we'll we'll let you know if it uh, if it detects that there's an issue. And I guess you get to the hospital before it stops breathing. Well, you know, I think at least you can do something in terms of uh, you know um, panic. Uh, well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, CPR, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, etc. That can be can be done for uh, you know for a baby. So there, are, you know, if you see your baby sort of turning blue or something, yeah. you can do something. You can you know hopefully do something about that. Now they're very careful in, in all of their materials to sort of say that it's not targeted at one thing or another, and it's not here to. It's more to give you peace of mind, but you know they're obviously trying to work through with medical trials and and so on. And you could imagine, and what it is, it's basically uh, from looking at the images online, it's a sock that the uh, that so, the that the baby wears with, so it, with a sensor on it and so on. So it's just yeah, it's just another uh, you know Internet of Things um, based based wearable uh, device. And isn't it incredible how everything that is a wearable seems to ultimately come back to health? 
Well, that's that's where when you think about it, the best uh, the yeah. best results are. But oh. yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, your watches and yeah. uh, smart watches and 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 so on. Yeah, generally it it is health because you are measuring things to do uh, with the body, and that's the I guess the main benefit is those extra measurements that you can do. Actually, looking at information, well, in most cases, you can see the information better on a smartphone or another device than you can on on your wearable. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that it would probably. I mean, there, there there aren't that many babies who die of this, but you know, for for what two hundred and fifty US, that's what about three fifty New Zealand. Small price to pay, isn't it? For I mean, for that for that peace of mind, and you know, particularly if it's something that you know has ever been. Uh, you know, relevant to your, you know, your family in some way, then, uh, um, yeah, I would, I would, I would think they'll do, uh, they'll do reasonably well with this. Now, also in recent days, we've heard a bit of news around um, the Hyperloop. Oh God, I love this. This looks <laughs> just. I mean, it's a little bit hard to fathom, and it was a few months ago that I. Uh, Went through, or it was—I guess it was probably when, when you know, when they initially uh, announced it that we heard, um, you know, there were there were varying sort of videos and so on online about this incredible new, um, you know, mode of mode of transport that would allow a passenger to get between Los Angeles and, and San Francisco uh, within, you know, what about thirty minutes? And yeah. you know, this is this is faster than. Uh, than a plane flight, but without having to <laughs> get on a plane. Uh, so you know, an incredible—I uh, don't know exactly what what you call it because it's not—it's not exactly a train, but it. Um, it's, do you know what it reminds me of? When I was a kid, used to go into the big department stores and these these vacuum tube things that used to send little parcels of money back yes. to the cashier. Yeah, um, and it's a bit like one of those, but with people inside. But, yeah, you know, it's like a fairground ride as well. And, and you know inc- incredibly fast. So what they've announced uh, is that they're going to start work on a six million dollar Hyperloop test track. Uh, this is just going to be you know within the next two to three weeks. Um, the system will be solar powered uh, and could transport over ten million passengers during testing. Uh, and this is going to be oh, built in uh, Kings County, uh, California. So, yeah, I'm very much hoping, Bill, that we'll get some invites yeah. up there to uh, uh, to have a look. And they're saying, yeah, about two years' uh, work to build it. Uh, you know, it was the concept that, um, you know, we heard about from Elon Elon Musk uh, maybe about uh, two, two years or so ago. And, yeah, it just sounds fascinating. Now, the speeds that they're talking about, so this test track – they're saying we'll be limited to 160 miles per hour with passengers on board, uh, but empty carriages would be tested at speeds up to 780 miles per hour. Well, that's about a thousand k. I think that would be that would be above Mach one. Yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? It that's would. uh, that, that's Which, that's pretty phenomenal. But they're saying the G force. So how do they? How do they? Would would be that? the problem at those. Um, you know, the, at those sorts of speeds, so they're having to build it very straight and so yeah. on. Uh, but if they can only get it up to 160 miles per hour, then they're not you, they're not going to be able to get you uh, 
you know, on that journey within the, the time they're talking about. And oh, I guess I that sort of distance. No, is a I would bit imagine like- that's the dististance. Yeah, because you've got to you've got to ramp up and ramp down. I would imagine that's probably why the speed limit would be relatively low. Mm. But the thing is, this is Auckland to Wellington type distance, isn't it? Imagine that in thirty minutes. Yeah, well, it's about a thousand k. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be about an hour actually. Um, but the thing is, is that wouldn't you? I mean, you know, I don't know Auckland to Wellington. I mean, it's a bit. It's a bit bumpy. There's like to be earthquakes and things. You're travelling through a tube at <laughs> thousand thousand kpm. It'd be a bit scary. You don't think this would be be a good good fit for the shaky isles? You don't. You, you remember the story about <laughs> San the, Francisco's got its own problems too, Bill. Don't you remember the story about the train that crashed on the um, yeah between Wellington and Auckland? That, uh, that was going pretty fast. I, oh, it's a terrifying thought of that. But um, on the other hand, you're, perhaps you're in, perhaps being in a vacuum tube will make you safer I don't know um, and the g-forces you must be able to feel the g-forces at that kind of speed well if you're going at 780 miles per hour you'd be feeling something wouldn't you yeah on um, the other hand on the other hand my god wouldn't it solve the um, Auckland house price problem yeah yeah you could commute from well wherever the other end was yeah I guess they could uh, they could just get one of these that goes Gisborne um, yeah go go <laughs> well go somewhere out in the country you know yeah. drop us in the middle of uh, drop you know drop people off and pick them up from uh, uh, from the, somewhere on the desert road uh, <laughs> Wire you know, out, yeah bit of uh, bit of spare land there and you'd be quite comfortable for sleeping and you know probably only a 20 minute commute yeah each way that's uh, a lot better than uh, than what is common for people to commute to and from work in Auckland uh, City these days? Would you be? Uh, would I'll you be, be keen? I'll be up for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It would. It would cause all sorts of havoc for house prices. But I think uh, you know it's the sort of havoc that uh, most people would be pretty happy with. Actually, I wonder. What, I wonder what the cost of travelling on that would be, though. I, I would imagine it'd be quite low if it's solar powered, but the. Obviously, the capital cost of putting it in would be high. Very expensive to put in, but there, there were some comments that I read around that uh, they could potentially even offer transport for free, but that it would actually generate uh, more power than it would use because of the, the solar uh, that would be along that uh, that tube. So, very uh, very efficient. So God. it's it sounds very cool, uh, although very expensive to build by the looks of it. If they need six billion just to build this test sample track. <laughs> Um, you know, and I kind of, kind of wonder how much it would cost to actually build build the real thing. Apple could build it. <laughs> That's true. That's true, and maybe they will. Um, now, Bill, tell us uh, about ITX. Uh, yeah, um, the Institute of IT Professionals had I mean, it used to have its own conference a few years ago. So this is the New Zealand Institute of IT. Yeah, it used to be the Computer Society. That's right. Yeah. Um, Paul Matthews is the um, the chief executive. Um, there's a, the conference is actually a very good one. I, I, I recommend it. I've been to one and spent a couple of days there and it's very good. And the, um, the social side of it was even better. Yeah. I remember <laughs> hearing some of your stories, Bill. I don't think you got much sleep. <laughs> no, no, but it's great fun. And, and the conference, as I say, the conference was good too. Some good, I got some good stories out of it. Um, they've been consolidating. Um, with a couple of other smaller organizations in the last year or so. But this time round, it's 12 organizations in one, including people like Two Ans and NZ Rise, um, and the New Zealand Tech Group as well. So it's, um, and they, they own Internet New Zealand. So they've managed to get a lot of people in. And 
it looks, I mean, on the one hand, it looks like a mega conference and they're, they're expecting 1,200 people. So it's going to be a big deal, three days. Um, it's very much the trend of these conferences now to have lots of streams and things, which for me, I mean, as a journalist, it's, it's really annoying because you're always in the, you're, you're never in the one that's got the great story. You know, you're always in the wrong session. I, I guess for lots of people who want to specialize, they can probably find something more to their specialist needs. Uh, doing it that way um and i I guess there's going to be a lot more than just three tracks if there's 12 organizations getting together there'll be a lot going on Um, but there will be a number of common keynote sessions between all of them which um which will be quite spectacular um i think i think it's a good development i think it's very strong development and it should it will make for a good conference the only thing is is that um, I start to wonder when things like this start. I mean, we were talking about earlier about what's going on in the enterprise computing business, and we didn't talk about the fact that there's a lot of consolidation going on, and that's not necessarily a sign of a healthy sector, and that might not necessarily be a healthy sign, you know, a sign of a healthy uh, conference sector here as well. Um, so. Um, um, I, you know, I hope that that's, that, that side of it's all, um, under control and that we're not, it's not really just, not just consolidating just because the whole thing's getting too difficult and the, um, audiences are down and so on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's good and, uh, we'll look forward to hearing a little bit more about it closer to the, to the yeah, time. I think I want to yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that wraps us up for this episode, Bill. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Now, what have you been up to uh, recently? You've been very, very busy of late. It's been very hard to track you down. You seem to have had uh, work coming out of your ears. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, journalism these days, there's not, a, there's not so much journalism as round as there used to be. I mean, I still do quite a bit of work for people like New Zealand Business and The Herald and so on. Um, and I, I had a stint for a couple of weeks where I was the register's um, correspondent from this end of the world. That's right. The register.co.uk. They're um, they're actually quite cool. They have they have some yeah. good, interesting stories and cover things from a slightly different uh, perspective. What's uh, their What's their byline? Oh, s- sliding the hand that feeds. Yes, I, I, <laughs> that yeah. feeds it. Yeah, yeah. and I I, I kind of like the fact that um, it's it's kind of snarky without being nasty. I don't mean yeah. that. It's you know it, it's not to up itself in terms of being serious yeah um and i, I i've come across their writers in varying parts of the world at yeah. different events i mean they're a, they're very well well established it's so. kind of it's kind of a bit like uh tabloid you know uk tabloids a bit like private eye you know but um, they 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 pick, yeah they pick up stuff other people don't but with a you know yeah a bit more of a sort of a tabloidish angle from the, that's a bit more fun probably but yeah, they but, actually you know, cover well, cover uh, some things pretty interesting. And, I, and without giving too much away about the secrets of journalism, what they they actually hit on the they managed to hit on the topics which are of interest to people. Um, uh, you know, they're they're quite strict about not covering things which are utterly boring, um, which a lot of people feel they have to do. That's that's not the register's way. They'll they'll um, you know they select stories quite uh, ri- uh, rigorously about you know, getting yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, but away from the journalism, I've been doing a lot of um, background ghostwriting for various companies. Um, there are executives um, who you may have heard of who I'm 
writing stuff for on their behalf, um, interviewing them and so on, and um, preparing website material for some uh, big companies. Um, I'm, I probably shouldn't mention them by name because um, I guess I'd probably lose the work if I did. <laughs> but um, but there are some things you will see. I mean, I, I it's just, pretty common, isn't it, these yeah. days to get somebody to help them out with yeah. something. I mean. You know the level to which you do that. I guess uh, you know varies, but if they're going to put their name to it, they've uh, you know it's it's got to be something that's that's their perspective and yeah. and and so on, and uh, hopefully that they've they've been through properly and, and and put their sort of stamp on. But I guess that that varies from uh, company to company and exec to exec in terms of how busy they are and how much of their personal sort of touch they want to put on things. That's right. I mean, I, I, and um, it was a bit of a struggle. It was a bit of a struggle getting used to doing that at first alongside the other work. But like I said. The whole nature of journalism has changed, so we can't really be uh, too purist about you know just writing for newspapers anymore because you know, newspapers just don't have the money anymore. So I've um, um, uh, been doing a lot of that, and I've been pretty selective about who I've been doing that with. So most of the jobs I've been doing have actually been fascinating, which I have to say a few years ago I did some of this work for big companies and it wasn't a lot of fun this time around it's, it has been much more interesting yeah it's good yeah yeah and it yeah. might be it may be that the things that things that are happening out there are, are just a bit more exciting at the moment as well mm-hmm. oh um, that, that's good but it's good to get it's good to get a perspective from the other side of the uh, table so to speak yeah 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 Good, good, good. All right. And how and, do people oh, track? How do people track you down online? Oh, you can find me at, at uh, BillBennett.co.nz. That's my website, and BillBennettNZ on Twitter. And I was going to ask you, Paul, about what's happening with Gorilla. Well, yeah, I mean, Gorilla. That's been business of mine for uh, for a, almost as long as I can remember. Um, you know, we've been go- we've been going for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good business. I really in, enjoy, uh, doing it. And the, the New Zealand Tech Podcast, you know, since we started it, getting on towards five years ago now, um, has been something that sort of, it's been a really good fit because the sorts of things that we cover on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, you know, very much line up with what, uh, you know, the sorts of things that I'm involved in with Gorilla, I enjoy getting involved in testing the new technologies that are coming through, researching uh, where the market's going, and you know, helping uh, you know companies to get a bit of a a, um, a technology strategy that underpins their business strategy, or or is sort of you know intertwined with their business strategy. And so, I enjoy really trying to uh, get a, a long term view of where technology is going, so people can make smart moves around. Uh, you know their choices of how they use technology. Yeah, and I, I don't know, but I find that stuff we talk about on the podcast—it's some—it's not necessarily directly in what we're our daily work. That's you know, true. It's, it's not yeah. directly um, related, but it's peripheral. But it's stuff around the edges which we need to know more about. And uh, just by doing that, we actually get a bigger picture. Mm. And I mean, it's certainly what I do with with the podcast. Uh, you know, plays back and and helps. Uh, you know, helps what I do within Gorilla. Um, the, I guess part of, you know, the part of the challenge that, that I've had is that the podcast sort of tends to take up about a day a week. And, you know, you and I have talked about this <laughs> in the past. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll get the podcast recorded. I'll, I'll go down to Radio Live, do my segment there and so on. And uh, uh, if I manage to get it online that night, it might be sort of one or two o'clock in the morning that it, uh, you know, that it actually get, gets uploaded or, or yeah. very, in the very early hours I've, of the morning. I've noticed occasionally it doesn't happen until 
next day. Yeah, so there's a bit of a challenge with juggling all that. I know when we last did our sort of audience survey, which um, we'll we'll probably do another one again uh, in the next little while, yeah, there were certainly comments coming back saying, oh, well, you know, wouldn't begrudge you if if you had some uh, uh, sponsorships and advertising and those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, it's something I've been giving a lot of thought to recently because I'd like to have a bit more time to put back into my family. And if we were, uh, you know, getting a reasonable return out of the podcast and that day that I put aside, uh, it'd be a bit easier to take some other time out to uh, to, to back into the family that I tend, tend to lose working sort of, nights and you know travel for events and so on so we'll we'll see what happens with that um but uh yeah a few people have sort of commented around patreon which is a uh, a common platform that u.s podcasters use yeah and i've been in touch with uh, over my website too yeah so um so that's one option uh we'll look at and uh there's a potential maybe for uh you know for some companies out there within the tech industry in new zealand um you know maybe that they can get some some value out of sort of partnering up with with the podcast as well. So uh, just developing some ideas there at the moment. And it wouldn't be expensive. No, 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 <laughs> that's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that uh, develops. Um, now, as always, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you can get me on Twitter, Paul Spain. Uh, do feel free to drop me a line on, on email, whether it's uh, suggestions of topics that you'd love us to, to cover on an upcoming uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast episode or really in anything else, uh, you can email me paul.spain at globalvoicemedia.com. All right, that's us. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.